Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Keely Ryder on the line. Keely, how are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me, Michael. Really looking forward to this. We booked this a while ago, so I'm really happy that we're finally actually getting to do this. So if if people aren't aware of who you are, why don't you share a little bit about you and then we'll dive into the conversation. Absolutely. Uh, so I am the founder of a startup fintech company called Dolphin. And what we do is we finance tenant improvements for commercial real estate spaces. So tenant improvements are the custom modifications made to the office interiors. You know, it could be universities, industrial spaces as well, labs, hospitals, et cetera. Um, they're surprisingly expensive. They're the walls, ceilings, doors, tiles. And it might sound mundane, but it's a huge industry. It's about $30 billion a year. And what we're doing is we're providing an alternate source of capital f- to finance those projects. And we're doing it through technology, which is super, you know, it's super cool and new because we are the first company to ever automate tenant improvement financing. So we are in the process of staffing and building out the company and technology. And uh, that's what led me to you. Uh, obviously, I am a new founder. I have not been a founder for long. So I'm looking for any advice you can give me and on this journey. Have fun and remember that it, in fact, is a journey. Uh, yeah. that's, I, that's very simplistic. There's more to it than that. But uh, that's you kind of go simple first and then you add the ingredients as you go. So, well, congratulations on on that and being the first. That's always a great thing to be a pioneer. Thank um, you. It, but sometimes it can also be kind of scary because you want to look at what your competition's doing and you're like, mm, there's nobody competing <laughs> with me, at least in this type of format. And I, it'd be interesting because as you were mentioning, you know, the commercial real estate market, I know that in certain areas in the world and in, in North America and the US, uh, there's some interesting dynamics with commercial real estate right now and office rent and things like that. Because when we were all sent home, um, back in March of 2020, uh, there's a lot of organizations that kind of scaled back a little bit and were allowing their people to stay remote or at least hybrid. So their office space requirements have changed a little bit where That's right. I would anticipate either A, um, there'd be a potential downturn in the kind of work you're doing or B, because of the you know lease space that they need that they would want to look at retrofitting things to take into consideration physical distancing, also subleasing, you name it. There could be a lot of different things. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's exactly right, Michael. I think um, luckily for us, it's the latter. Uh, Even though there's a lot of downsizing in space, the tenant improvement budgets themselves are increasing because, uh, you know, the cost of capital is higher, inflation cost of construction, there's rising cap rates, and there's constricting in the actual commercial real estate lending market currently. So where they would used to go to banks, landlords and tenants used to go to banks for their capital to fund out their projects, those markets are tightening now. So everybody's increasingly looking for an alternate source of capital. So we're actually getting a lot of business currently. And then on top of that, you have you know Gen Zs coming back to the office because they're being forced to in, in some companies, right? 
And so when you have that paradigm where you have the younger workforce coming back into the office, being quote unquote forced to come in at least three or four times a week, maybe two, um, you have those uh, companies that are trying to cater to that younger workforce with more expensive, flashy amenities. And so that drives up the tenant improvement budget and it drives up what landlords are being asked to fund for on their tenants' behalf. And that's where I, why we're getting a lot of landlord inquiry on our desk about, you know, what's the best way we can, what's the best use of funds here? Should we acquire a property and make, you know, X return on that? Or should we put our money into this building and potentially never see a return? And so uh, that's where our business is flourishing. Um, luckily, the downturn in the market is actually working in our favor. But obviously, you know, for a lot of companies and a lot of um, you know industries, it's actually working, you know, against them, which I feel for. Oh, sure. And you know, one of the markets that I spend time in, Toronto, it's still less than fifty percent of foot traffic in downtowns and before mm-hmm. the pandemic. It's one of those weird cities that it didn't, you know, it hasn't rebounded where other cities, you know, in the US, Chicago, LA, I mean, LA's got some stuff too, but they're being creative on repurposing some of their properties in certain areas. Uh, and New York is obviously New York. That's, you know, a, a, its own monster itself. So not good to compare to them because we knew that they would be, you know, in, in many cases going back but it's just an interesting dynamic. And of course, as you mentioned, you know, with the interest rates and, you know, a lot of lenders are going, you know, because of, you know, the higher rates, there are many organizations that they had given loans in the past and they already know they're not going to renew and those renewals are coming up next year and in 2025. So you're going to have some really interesting dynamics when it comes to, Lending and there could be some potential subprime lending. I don't want to yeah, hear that word. I was, we we, rem- we we I, I don't think we. I hopefully we don't see that. I understand. There's an it's it's a catch twenty two because mm-hmm. you don't want these people to default, but then you have the subprime thing, and we all remember back in. 2008 and 2009 how that all turned out and it's it's a difficult situation and of course the interest rates were raised because they were low and the whole financial situation and you know just everything that could be 10 conversations we could go down on that one but but at the end of the day it boils down to there's still a need for space there's still a need for people to go work that's right you know the the Next generation, then of course, Gen Alpha will be coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, not too long, uh, they're going to have their types of needs and wants. So, the redesign of workspace one is long overdue. I'm I'm glad to hear That's that right. organizations are looking at it because the boring, stodgy cubicles, offices around the perimeter, you know, that design that we've seen forever is just stale and antiquated. It's like, let's be creative. You know, let's yeah. come up with some ideas and all right, make sure that you have the right plumbing. So if you've got, you know, six different, uh, you know, coffee machine things or you, who knows what, you know, electric, you know, maybe you got arcade games in the room. Maybe you've got ping pong tables or, you know, maybe in the back, you've got a pickleball court. Mm-hmm. Who knows? You know, there's that'd be cool. All, Oh, that would be, you know, if yeah. you, if you've got a big enough, you know, property um, yeah. for it, but 
again, it's just, it's, it's getting creative, but then organizations like yours are like, okay, well, let's, let's find some legitimate and alternative ways to fund these things. Because I, the last thing I want to see is a huge number of defaults because that just That's has right. a, a domino effect on all kinds of things. Yeah. And the commercial and, real estate industry is actually, you know, it's quite important when in the scheme of, you know, the total economy. And so I like to always uh, talk about it as like, it's like a humble industry because you could be on top one day and be just, you know, a distressed asset class the next. And that's exactly what commercial real estate is going through right now. And banks are looking at it as a distressed asset class. And it's never, you know, other than, you know, subprime and, you know, uh, residential housing. It's never really been viewed that way. At least commercial real estate hasn't. So it's really interesting to live through it and, and see what's going on. But it's exactly what you said. I mean, the, the refreshes need to be happening and uh, we're here for it. Yeah. And we're also seeing in some instances, some mixed use type of situation where mm-hmm. in a huge downtown metropolitan area, you would have a building that would be an office building. But now there's like, no, there's, you know, the floors 42 to 68 are residential mm-hmm. and 70 to 95 is a hotel. And yeah. then below that is office space with obviously separate elevator banks. So you don't have, you know, the person with the $10,000 suit next to the kid with, you know, the swim trunks and this stuff all mm-hmm. in the elevator. Well, you know, we, not, not trying to segregate people, but it's like, I'm guessing yeah. he's not going to want to be getting hit with a wet pool noodle as he's wearing his expensive <laughs> suit. Um, I'm sure there's people in his office would probably wish they'd have those, but that's a different story. But again, it's, it's being creative and yeah. figuring out where population shifts are because you know there are areas in the u.s that are just seeing amazing growth you know arizona's one tennessee atlanta has been booming for a while uh, florida has had some significant growth for you know political actually, and non-political reasons <laughs> it, it tends to correlate with the um the income tax uh regulations right uh so i, I find them ones that are booming or the 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 states that don't have income tax yeah and uh you know everybody's moving down to florida and other state texas you know other states like that it, it correlates really well with the office vacancies or lack thereof mm-hmm. uh, which i find to be really interesting because those markets are almost fully back post-covid yeah yeah and it, it's gonna be interesting to see because we've seen tides turn and all of that and for me again i you know taxation could be another conversation as well but <laughs> i i it's one of those things where it's like okay everybody's coming in now is enough revenue being generated by these businesses coming in to make sure that we have the sustained infrastructure for all the new builds and things like that, because you could run into a situation we haven't, at least from my observation yet, um, a situation where it's like, okay, the state's like running into a huge deficit because, you know, we, they've put in so much money for new roads and this and this and this, but no way to back it. But there, you know, there are other ways for them to fund it and, and whatnot. And uh, ultimately, it's a case of, creating opportunities, making it, you know, great for, you know, obviously all the trades and all the industries that benefit from and yours obviously included, you know, to get access to that funding because like we want to go to Austin. Yeah, I know, get in mm-hmm. line. There's everybody seemed to go there. And yeah. you know, it's like Austin used to be Austin Cinity Limits, but now people are are, you know, it's all kinds of different things now. 
But we, we think about that and we go, all right, now everybody is going there. Now it's turning into this new ecosystem. It's like, it's literally a completely different town than it was before. And that, you know, obviously it takes a lot. Uh, even, you know, I went last year, I went to a Braves game at the relatively new stadium and that area around there was just all built up. I, I took an Uber over there and the driver who's from there was like, yeah, I used to live in an apartment that was there. That building is now gone. And now it's that, you know, multiplex type of thing. He said, I, it's, it's hard for me to even fathom what this town used to look like because it's so built up and it, it took literally no time for it to happen. So once you build something, whether it's a new baseball stadium or, you know, a big industry says we're opening up a new gigantic headquarters and warehouse in whatever the name of the town is. Next thing you know, you've got everybody going, we need to be there. That's right. And, yep. and and they need to contact you to get that financing because they may right, not yeah. have everything available um, otherwise. Yeah, definitely contact us. You guys, if you're building a new baseball stadium, especially because I'd love to have free tickets. <laughs> well, you know, exactly. Well, you know, the, the league needs to expand. I know Oakland is moving to Vegas, but I think they've already got that built and all of that. But I'm hoping that there'll be some expansion as well. Well, I know there's yeah. going to be expansion in the NBA Pretty oh, really? soon. I, I'm, I'm almost positive. It's been a while since they've expanded. So, you know, there's okay. markets that could really benefit from having a team. Well, the, w, the WNBA needs to expand first. I mean, they've, they've got a limited T. I don't know how many they have, but I know it's like half of the NBA. And now yeah. women's sports are, are highlighted now after the, uh, the college, the, I don't know what it was, championship. Loved that. That was, yeah. uh, that was great. They got more viewership apparently than any other NBA championship game. That's awesome. And, and, I, and one of the things, too, that I've noticed just, again, spending time in Toronto is the media is covering it. It's long overdue. That's right. Way long overdue. And they had a WNBA game, a, a, a scrimmage game, or a, I think it was a preseason game. They had it in Toronto because Toronto doesn't have a team yet. But it was, oh, I'm, I know... I know it was one of those, well, let's see what we got. Mm-hmm. And it had, obviously, huge turnover or turn out they had huge coverage on it great we love sports in toronto and you know male female doesn't matter we 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 love it and anytime we can get a professional team in this area we're we're thrilled about it and and so and there's other markets as well that you may not have a men's basketball team but they could build it and thrive you know i know the aces in las vegas do well and you know obviously phoenix and all the other towns that have wnba franchises they do well it's getting coverage people are watching it. it's a great brand and they nurtured it they built it 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 was and they just let it you know let it build up and you know obviously women's soccer and you know oh yeah there's going to be more sports and oh, yeah. again, it's, and it's like, uh, yeah, it's long overdue because over half the population are female. Oh, hello. You know, <laughs> exactly. It's, exactly. I, I mean, it's one of my dreams to own a woman's sports team eventually. There you go. So if I do well at this tech company, I'm going to, uh, buy a, a female sports team or maybe, uh, like a la, uh, who is it? Natalie Portman bought the, um, or, or created a team. She did something, but it's a women's soccer team in LA called the Angels, I want to say. Okay. Um, and ever since I saw that, with, mixed with uh, when the Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney 
bought Wrexham, the mm-hmm. soccer team overseas. I was like, oh, all these celebrities are buying teams. Yeah. I could do it too. And it just seems so fun to be able to manage a sports team and also bring them to success through your, you know, involvement. Seems like a cool journey. Yeah, it it definitely would be. And it's, you know, obviously it's a labor of love and it's, you know, obviously not easy to build a championship team, but uh, it's being done. And it's just, just having, having an owner that believes and is going to do what they can to support the team. it, It takes a burden off the athletes. So the athletes can focus on their playing and they go, we're taken care of here. And then they're going to, and it's, it's funny. You see the teams that take care of their employees. It's just like in work and life. I was just going to say, it's the same thing as corporate America. I mean, leadership in, in a compassionate fashion is so important. And I think generationally speaking, uh, it's getting better and better, right? Cause we're demanding more younger generation. And I put myself, I'm like, we, I'm the younger generation. I'm, I'm a millennial, but um, yeah, I think that's fantastic. People are standing up for themselves and uh, demanding better and more. Yeah, it's, it's important as a Gen Xer, I'm celebrating the millennials finally cracking the nut and, and getting the workplaces to change because they, they've needed to for a very long time and we're seeing it and we're going to continue to see it. And even with the argument of uh, in-person versus remote versus mm-hmm. hybrid, yeah, and I talk about this a lot in my keynotes and whatnot, it's like it, mm-hmm. it, it really boils down to what do your customers need from you? Can you deliver it exclusively remotely? Can you do it hybrid or does it have to be in person? Talk with your team and have, you know, just have a, you know, an honest conversation. There are people, and this is where I use the analogy of kind of shuffling the deck chairs on a boat type of analogy where there are a lot of people that really thrive in an in-person environment. Yeah. Five days a week, that's their, that's their zone. They do really well. There are people that would be fine to never see the inside of an office space ever again. That's and right. there are people that like a little bit of a variety and a mix. So it's a case of you know figuring out where that goes. It's just like going to a restaurant in a way. It's like, okay, we know this restaurant's really good for this. This one's better for this. So you you go with what makes sense for you and making sure that you can thrive in that environment, um, but have the autonomy and the flexibility to, you know, if you want to go in, especially if you're working on a project, you have a place to go. Because I know some places that are fully remote that don't have a physical place, you know, they have to, you know, come up with, a, you know, a shared space thing, which, you know, of course, those exist. But it, it's, I, I find sometimes that it's a little strange. But again, for other organizations, it's really easy. It's, yeah. I always tell people, well, you talk with everybody and come up with the best solution. But write that solution in pencil because <laughs> it might change. Exactly. Because um, when everybody was saying, oh, okay, we're going to stay remote forever. Like Meta, I think, was like, oh, remote, always remote. Google, we're all going to, you know, who's calling all their people back? The same people. Yeah, we're that's stay exactly remote. right. Because I was laughing. I'm like... So we're like six months into this thing, and this was in 2020, and they're saying this, and I'm like, not a chance, not a chance. It's so true. It's so not true. a chance. It's like it's like it's all lip surface. Now, did am I saying that they were lying? No, I think at the moment in time they were looking at what the reality was at that moment in time, but I don't think they were necessarily looking post pandemic yeah. and what what the fallout of not having 
in-person collaboration without exactly full, yeah. fully flushing out what a remote environment looks like. So it's yeah. so yeah. many, so many nuances. Yeah. I think in-person collaboration is very important. I think, um, you know, like we're zooming right now and I think it's actually a pretty productive conversation, but when you have, you know, times 10 people and you're all working on the same project and you all have different opinions and you have to mute, you know, it's just, to me, I feel, um, I feel like I thrive more in an in-person environment, but especially when you have a managerial role and you actually have to foresee, uh, oversee people. Uh, I think it's, it's just more productive, but what, you know, our company does a, you know, twice a week manager meeting type in-person um, and that's, you know, that's what works for us, but it's also what keeps our employees happy, you know? And so I think a big part of it is acknowledging that your employees, uh, have been hired for a reason, you know, they are talented in what they do. And if you trust them and if they're doing a good job, does it necessarily matter where they're doing it or when they're doing it? Um, for me, that answer is no. I think for, for the older generations, that answer is yes, it sure does matter. I need you to be in the office. I need to see you doing the work. And, um, it's a, and it's a, definitely an interesting conversation that I like taking part in. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. And, you know, this is why well, I just don't trust my employees. And I tell them, okay, then fire them right now. And they look <laughs> at me. I can't fire them. Why? I need them. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Wait, you don't trust them, but you're keeping them because you need them. And you trust them to do, like, wait a minute. It's like, uh, my dad had a saying, but I'm not going to say it here uh, for somebody that says something like that. But I, I remember this was decades ago. I worked for an insurance automation provider uh, outside of Chicago, and we had an installation team. And that team would go out every week and install our insurance automation software and servers and equipment at independent insurance agencies all across the country. So the majority of these installers were never in the office. They you know, literally fly out Monday morning, fly back Thursday or Friday, and mm-hmm. the packets would be mailed or you know, overnighted to their homes on Friday. So they'd have their packet over the weekend to kind of glance at so they knew what they were doing. But, you know, every couple of months, we'd bring everybody in for an in-service for a week or a few days or things like that. And the dynamics of those meetings were amazing because we got to gel as a team when they started doing it, because they originally didn't do it, but then they started doing it. And what happened was it made the installations better because we had face-to-face, we'd go out to lunch or dinner, talk with people, just get to know each other. So when we were on the phone, it was more like a hey, you know, colleagues working together. Yeah, okay, what's going on? Okay, do this and, the, and it was it it, yeah. it it streamlined some things. So if somebody asked me what my personal flavor would be, is hybrid unless it's really detrimental to the customer. If you're not there all the time, then yeah. be there all the time. Yeah, um, same. And remote. If, you know, there's uh, for accommodations for some people, there might be some talent that you need that isn't available locally, but you can find them remotely. Have them work remotely. If they can bring them in occasionally for some things, by all means do it. But if they're always remote, then that's that's it. You just a little bit more flexibility. But, you know, because you're the bottom line is creating the best products and services for your customers. That's- exactly. That's exactly right. And that actually leads me to a question I had. And um, for you, I'm going to ch- change hats. I'll be the interviewer for for a minute. Uh, 
you know, I'm really curious because I've, I've, I've listened to some of your podcasts and your keynote spe- speeches, and um, I know you have a book out. Uh, I'm <laughs> just going to plug you on this channel. Uh, and it's a lot about burnout. And I know you had a health situation, a health scare. And so I guess my question for you would be, you know, what led to the burnout and what, what enabled you to recover fastest? Yeah, for me, the burnout was just not having boundaries around when I worked and when I didn't. Mm. I was in a startup, like, you know, many people listening to the show on cautionary tale. Yeah. And, you know, I was burning the candle at three ends, you know, in the middle on each end, probably uh, pretty much the whole candle was just a big flaming stick um, because it was just, you know, burning out like no tomorrow because I was just putting in too many hours, not taking care of myself, not eating well, not doing things in life that I enjoyed doing because I was too tired uh, to go do those things. And what happens is when we start getting stressed and working too many hours, we cut out things that are beneficial to us, which mm-hmm. helps us to have that work-life harmony. And when we start cutting those things out, it just starts to pile on and makes the problem worse and worse. And you start having mental issues. Your cog- you're not, if you're, especially if you're not sleeping well, that has a direct impact on your cognitive ability, your problem solving. You can't see things. You can't think clearly. Your relationships start to suffer. There's so many different things that happen when you don't get good sleep. And why would you not good sleep or get good sleep? Is because well, you're not eating well. You're not getting any activity, and you're stressing out all the time. So your body is just trying to catch up, and it can barely get the rest that it needs. So today's stress gets piled on to tomorrow's stress, then the next week, and the next month, and the next year, and then lo and behold. You get to understand, you know, what cardiology world is <laughs> and certain types of medications oh, and stress tests. And, um, and then, of course, all the ramifications that took place after that, um, you know, was an eye opening event for me. So after recovering from it, um, which you can recover, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to be burned out forever. No, mm-hmm. no, you can actually get out of burnout a lot quicker than you think. Did you go but- to therapy? I didn't. That's one regret. I use a therapist now, and I, I've said that on my show. I, I use them for a variety of different things, you know, more of just to get a better, better understanding of me yeah, and exactly. why, why things trigger me or why things bother me or why I do think, why is it important for me to do this versus that kind of thing? But that's my one, I don't want to say regret, but. I think I would have recovered a bit faster if I would have, uh, but I, I highly recommend. I tell everybody, and I'm not saying this to be you know a, a joker or anything like that, but everyone needs a therapist. Everyone, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's things in life. These last three years. Okay, everybody needs some therapy. Um, just all the things that have been thrown at us. Um, just you know, just sort of things too. Maybe there's some things from your you know your youth or your younger days that you thought you worked through, but you really didn't, or mm-hmm. some situations that you really didn't comprehend that now are coming to fruition, and you're like, why is this bothering me? And it's just you know getting to the bottom of that. That's why you know one of the things that I did, especially with the burnout consulting stuff that I've done. That's why I went and got certified in cognitive behavioral therapy and NLP, not because I had this overarching desire to be a therapist, but it was more of a get a better understanding with people to help them kind of guide them through the deeper work of burnout is to figure out 
why did you burn out? Because you can recover. But yeah. if you don't do the work on why you burned out, there's a distinct possibility that you will again because your habits, your thoughts, your beliefs, how you do things, unless you look at those and look for things that aren't serving you, then there's a distinct possibility that you'll burn out again. So that's yeah. why I, I obtained those certificates because it was important for me to get an understanding and use some of the techniques and in interviewing and whatnot to kind of ask, okay, well, why was that important to you? And kind of eating my own dog food too, mm -hmm. working with my therapist because she'll do the, the same thing. I'm like, I know what you're doing. <laughs> it's I was like, going to say, you remind me of a therapist. You seem, uh, you seem well-equipped to, uh, and very self-aware. So very impressive. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's taken some effort and a little bit of life lessons. I, yeah. I say little. You got to live through it. Yep. You got to live through it. To yeah. Understand yeah. It. Yeah. You definitely have to live through it. And I'm thankful I, I lived through it. That's, mm -hmm. that's a good thing. Um, but no, those are, those are good questions. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things I always hammer home with people. It's like, just, you know, make sure you get good rest. Make sure you do things in life that you like doing. Um, eat, eat foods that are right for you. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not telling you no. Don't eat the golden arches or anything like that. I'm going to tell you eat eat the foods that give you the natural energy, so you don't have the crashes and spikes and all that. Find those foods that are good for you because Listen, I've been reading a book about eating meat and how it's linked to cancer, <laughs> and I've gotten so freaked out. I'm like, am I a vegan now? So I don't know. I mean, I have no energy because I'm eating all like plants, but well, I feel know. better. Yeah, you feel better, but there's all, you're also lacking energy. So uh, a suggestion, this is something yeah. I did a couple of years ago, and I've talked about this on the show as well, is if you can, and there's plenty of places in the U.S. to be able to do this, is get a food intolerance test. Find out what foods you have an intolerance to. You might have an allergy or you might have an intolerance. And find out what foods are right for you. And like the report that I had gave me a huge, I think it was a 20 something page report. It went in a lot of details, but there's like six pages that I look at that are all color coded, which is good, which the green pages, everything on that page, my body loves. So you focus on that. The red page, no bueno, don't eat this because you've got, you know, some type of intolerance in varying degrees, of course. And then there's yellow, the yellow page, which um, is one of those things where it's like, mm, depends. So yeah. um, I, I tend to try to focus on on the green page, which isn't just all green leafy things. There's, you know, there's meats and things like that. But, um, but yeah, you're in Canada, you're in Canada. So you got you got that, that test for free, probably right with your no, no, I paid $350 for it. Oh, really? I'm I was joking because I'm like, you know, they take care of they take care of you up there, don't they? In, in terms of healthcare, uh, I worked in healthcare for over a decade in Canada. Um, that's another discussion, and uh, we're gonna, late, we got to have books some more time for that yeah, one because yeah. that's interesting. The, yeah, the the late great Jim Rohn made a comment, and obviously tons of stuff that he shared over his life. But one of the things is like, be careful what you say. So, 
yeah, we'll we'll have a conversation, a separate conversation about that, uh, because I still have a lot of friends and colleagues that work in the industry, but I, I've got some opinions. I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> but yeah, so no, got it's on. all good. So awesome. I've loved this conversation, Keely. We, we talked about all kinds of different things in a half an hour. So where can people find out more about you and get some information on you know these in, you know, potential funding opportunities for their commercial real estate? Yeah, so you could hit us up on dolphinpartners.com. Uh, important to note that it's an F instead of a PH. So dolphin with an F, partners.com. Uh, also hit us up on LinkedIn. We're just dolphin on LinkedIn. Awesome. I'll definitely have that in the show notes. So Keely, thank you again so much for your time today. Really appreciate you. Thanks so much, Michael. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of The Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.